Thank you. Good evening. Another wonderful, warm summer evening in Phoenix. My name is Bill Strickland, in case you don't know me. Don't know that that's important, but somebody might say, who was that guy? And you can say, well, that, that was Bill Strickland. Oh, okay. Uh, I've been involved with the church here since uh, about 2008, and uh, Brett asked me if I would uh, teach this evening, I guess we'll call it that. I was, I've been impacted a bit by what Brad has been doing on Sunday morning, talking about uh, you know, the use of your gifts and uh, some of the uniqueness that God might uh, allot to a person. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to do this, but with that sort of thing, I thought, well, okay, uh, it's, it's something unique that the Lord has given me the ability to do, and so I'm going to do it. You can, uh, you can turn to the book of Jonah if you want to, or you can look at it later. I'm going to tell you that story. The Lord spoke to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to Nineveh. Got some things you need to say. The folks down there are wicked. They need someone to preach. But Jonah packed his suitcase and headed for the beach. He took a ship in Joppa for Tarshish he was bound. He paid his ferry, got on board. He thought he'd not be found. Now, Jonah thought that this would work and he could flee the Lord. But when the ship got underway, the wind blowing hard. That boat was rocking up and down about to break in two. The sailors all were so afraid, not knowing what to do. Each cried out unto his God, threw cargo from the ship. They thought the lighter load might help it not to slip. Meanwhile, Jonah has left the upper deck, and he's fast asleep. The captain comes and wakes him up and makes a little speech. He was telling Jonah, Arr, to your God, please make a plea. Ask him to save our ship from sinking in the sea. But all the sailors ardent pleas did not achieve their aim. And so they cast some lots to see who was to blame. They cast the lots there on the deck, and when it all was done, every time they rolled those dice, Jonah was the one. They said, Ah, matey, it seems he be the one that's messing up our trip. So could you kindly tell us what you're doing on a ship? We want to know just who you are, what sort of work you do. He said, Oy vey, ooh, I saved the living God, and I was born Hebrew. Oh, well, that shook them up a little bit, added to their dread. Because Jonah told them once before, it was from his God he fled. Arr, what shall we do, they cried, as the storm still loudly roared. What should I know? Hey, throw me overboard? Uh, well, they rode to turn the ship around to save poor Jonah's hide. But they couldn't beat that storm, no matter how they tried. Seeing the only option left so they wouldn't sink was taking poor old Jonah and toss him in the drink. To be sure this was the choice, they made one last request. All right, uh, God, could you uh, uh, keep us safe? Oh, and free from guilt. We'll trust you for the best. Then they grabbed old Jonah, boldly threw him in. When he hit the water, the sea got calm again. And the sailors saw what happened. They didn't think about it twice. They worshiped God and gave him thanks and made a sacrifice. Now you probably think old Jonah's done, because he's sure sinking down. 
But God has got another plan, so Jonah will not drown. As he submerges neath the waves, he hadn't got a hunch. God has called a giant fish to have Jonah for his lunch. <laughs> Three days and nights he gets to spend down in that fish's tummy. He starts to think he'll change his ways. Stop acting like a dummy. He knows he is inside a fish and probably should be dead. He thinks well, it might be good to pray. And this is what he says. I pray. I know that I've been foolish in how I've chose to act. I'm at the ocean's bottom with no hope. and well, That's a fact. But in all the things that happened, it seems I still have breath. And God, you are the only one that saves a man from death. So I worship you, and I won't get caught in idols anymore. God heard his prayer. Told that fish, go barf him on the shore. <laughs> when Jonah hit the beach, God spoke to him again. Get ye hence to Nineveh. You're preaching there, my friend. Now, Jonah learned his lesson, didn't dare back talk. To preach the streets of Nineveh, required a three-day walk. His message was real simple, with no intent to boast. Forty days from now, and Nineveh will be toast. Well, the folks there in Nineveh believed that God had spoken. Men and women, boys and girls, all knew this was no joke. The king took off his royal robes and came down from his throne, put sackcloth on, declared a fast. Even dogs don't chew a bone. We must repent. Stop all crime. Turn from wrong things we cherish. It might be God will change his mind and we won't have to perish. Those folks obeyed the word. Like Jonah was their pastor. God liked the choice they made. Stopped his planned disaster. When Jonah saw what happened, he didn't think it wise. He really didn't like these folks is all we can surmise. He prayed, told the Lord of his dissatisfaction, Seemed to know right from the start that God might take this action. That's why he took a ship that went the wrong direction. He knew if you repent, God can make corrections. Jonah was so angry, filled with vengeful strife, he told the Lord he wished he'd take his life. Well, God's response to Jonah's fury was asking in reply, Jonah, what do you think all your anger justifies? Well, Jonah left the city. You're going to find a place to pout. Thought he'd just watch the town, sit, wait it out. But God had other plans. He caused the gourd to grow. Once again to Jonah, he would love and mercy show. Jonah liked the comfort brought by this brand new shade. The next day, God sent a worm to eat that leafy blade. So the plant is gone. The wind is strong. The sun makes Jonah sigh. He tells the Lord again, he thinks, He'd rather die. But God again ignores his plea and tries to help his prophet see the comfort craved for shade no longer there to all those lives in Nineveh could in no way compare. And with that fact, the book of Jonah abruptly does conclude. But there lingers still some thoughts on Jonah's attitude. From start to finish, Jonah plays a very selfish part, exposing very clearly Jonah's selfish heart. He knew the grace of God when he chose to repent. It didn't matter wrong or right, Jonah couldn't love 
a Ninevite. So, when God calls on you to act, keep in mind this pertinent fact. You'll have no joy as you play your part until God's grace gives you a brand new heart. Now, my plan for this evening is to talk on joy. And, and that's why the last line or so of, of the poem became important. You see, Jonah, there's great comfort in the sovereignty of God exposed in the book of Jonah. Because, you see, if God's got a plan for you, you do it. You just do it. Jonah didn't get to escape. God made the right choice, the obvious choice, you might even say the only choice, and Jonah carried through. Now, that, that should give us great comfort, unless, of course, we're being a little stubborn and thinking our plan is better than God's plan, or God's sending you to a place where you don't really appreciate the people that he's planned for you to minister to. So Jonah had no joy in his empowered service. Uh, I want to give you how, I was, as I was thinking about doing this, uh, you know, I, I thought I might get to continue in Samuel and that, that part where, uh, where, where, you know, David clobbered Goliath, but uh, Bet said, no, I'm doing that, so you just <laughs> do something else. <laughs> so the Lord gave me an idea. You know, you, you, you know Scripture, I trust you read it a lot, and uh, probably, I guess, most of you are familiar with John 10.10. 10. Uh, you, you can go there if you want to and just write it down, or most of us can do it by memory. John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I was, I was thinking, I was, I, that, that scripture just came to my mind, and then I thought, I, you know, I've never really thought about what is it that's stolen it's like, I'm pretty sure that Satan doesn't want or doesn't need my stuff. So it's not stuff that he steals. What's, what did he steal? Joy. Steals my joy. Then he's sort of a sneaky character. He steals my joy, and then he tricks me into blaming me. That, I, that I've done stupid, I've lost my joy. It's all my fault. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Now, there's some measure of truth in that, but this ain't it. So, so I begin to realize, oh, okay, the devil has stolen my joy. How, how do I restore it? Well, you, you first got to move. The first thought that came to mind, I, I love Psalm 1611 because it provides the solution. It says, in his presence is fullness of joy. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about the immensity and, and, and how big, wonderful, and unchangeable God is, but, but he will not run short of joy. And he won't even miss it when we take a bunch. Because you can't, he, he doesn't lose, he never loses anything. That's why that, and see, that's part of what begins to fuel your joy is, is having right belief about the God who has called us into his presence. See, we all got trouble. 
I, was, I, I often use a phrase that I learned from an old, uh, an old top 40 disc jockey. And the hits just keep on coming. And they do. But that's really not what it's all about. So, uh, turn, turn, you know, we talked about John 10, 10. And, and see, the reason, why, why do you, anybody, I'll take a little feedback here. Have you got a clue why that uh, the devil might want to steal our joy? Surely you know Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's why, that's why joy becomes such an important factor and, and knowing how to restore it becomes so important. So turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. giving you a few moments to get there, but it's also giving me a few moments to get out my glasses. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an enthusiastic person. I'm very enthusiastic about my God and the things that he has done. Now, I, I recognize that there is a place for reverence. I'm not totally sure that the Christian church is where that's supposed to happen, but it can. But we may have not been exactly well taught in, in the release of recognition of what God has done. Now listen to this. Therefore, if, it says in the beginning of, of verse 1, chapter 3 of Colossians, therefore, if, and, and this is one of those Greek ifs that could be just as well translated as since. Therefore, since, it's a done deal. You have been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things that above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Now, things that are on the earth are cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things. You know where that comes from? That comes from Mark 4. That's the seed that falls among the thorns. And the reason that it doesn't bear fruit as it should is because of the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, rise up, choke out the word, and make it unfruitful. So that if your mind is not set in the right place, then what are you giving consideration to? Are you giving consideration to the truths of God, or are you allowing the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, to choke out the word and make it unfruitful, or steal your joy? That's how the truth works. You set before it. Now, now we're going to go a little further here. For, for you have died. Do you remember that? You have. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then also you will be revealed with him in glory. Can you get excited about that? I mean, you know, that's going to happen. And so as we begin to think about our destiny, our eternal home, that's what begins to refuel our joy. And, you know, looks like most of us may have either had kids or been around kids or grandkids or expect kids. Now, have you ever have you have you ever had? You know, it's not so much anymore as it was. But see, in uh, December of 1955, before many of you were born, uh, that 
July, Disneyland had opened. And there were three Texas families, mine included, going to the Rose Bowl of January 1st, 1956, including a trip to Disneyland. Were we excited? Could you, could you somehow dampen our joy about that as we saw the day approaching? That's just an illustration of, of how you begin to think about those things that we are to set our mind on. I, I'm, I'm kind of a Star Wars fan. I don't know whether I should mention that or not, but I just did. Uh, the, I, I didn't like the one that came out as the first three. The middle three were great. You know, the first one that came out, four, five, and six. One, two, three. But, but Qui-Gon Jinn, he was, he was one of the one of the Jedis of, of, the, of one of those. And, and he was talking to little Anakin Skywalker and he made a very, a very profound statement. He said, Anakin, focus determines reality. Now, I don't know that it determines it, but it certainly influences. So what you set your mind on is going to be a strong contributor to your experiential reality bring it over to the biblical part Proverbs 4:23 says guard the passions of your heart for out of them proceed the issues of life we are passion driven people we have appetites that guide us and we have been given a new heart and a new appetite in our new birth so that we're not the old man that we once were we're now uh, we're now functioning according to the new man just, just turn the page back if you have to, Colossians chapter 1. Now, th this, this should, as, as has been said, uh, if this don't turn your crank, your switch is broken. Verse 9 of the first chapter of Colossians. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the air. Did, wait a minute, who did that qualifying? You mean I, I didn't? I, he, who? The Father. Thanks to the Father who qualified us. What? It's not up to me. It's, it's, the Father qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen and double amen. I mean, yeah, to, to focus on that and claim it and know that it is your personal, functional reality restores your joy. I, I discovered something. My, my, my wife and I, uh, like to ride roller coasters. Yeah, we do. 
uh, you know, we, in fact, uh, last year we went over to Magic Mountain and paid our price and, and rode as many as we could and discovered that our equilibrium isn't quite as equal as it once was. <laughs> we didn't close the park, I'll put it that way. Uh, so, but, but I, I was thinking about that, and I, I think this might work. I wonder why roller coasters are so much fun. Now, when we first started riding roller coasters, you got in a bench-like thing, and there was a little bar that came down, and that was it. And you'd best hang on for due life, because that baby could toss you out, it seemed. That was what was going on in your mind. Nowadays, you go over there, and they got straps around your ankles, they got straps around your things, they got things that come over your head and go around your waist, and you can hardly move. There's no risk involved. All you have to do is get sick. <laughs> you know? The risk is gone. And, and I thought about that, and I think God put in us a design for risk and rescue. There, there is hardly any thrill like a rescue from something that you believe to be endangering your existence. So that when you get rescued, it's like, well, yes, I made it. I got to the end of the ride and I got off so I can get in line again. So that, that, that I think we all, well, you know, depending upon who you are, you'll have to assess this for yourself, but, but that whole risk and rescue thing, and when you read something like this and you realize that, that part there where it, it says, uh, he rescued us, 13, he rescued us from the domain of darkness. It is good in fueling your joy to stop and think about what your destiny was before Jesus. That, that all your dreams and plans pretty much were confined to your, your pre-death existence. You know, and part of, the, part of the terrifying question is, okay, one day, you know, death's still batting a thousand as far as I know. We're all going to die. Don't like to talk about it that much, but we are. And you need to have a good answer for what comes next. Because otherwise you end up in the domain of darkness, and, and the Bible's pretty clear, it's, it's torment. We've been rescued. We've been rescued. <laughs> so that, uh, that, is, that is extremely thrilling, I think. And uh, so as you, know, as you move through life and, and you discover that your joy has diminished, because a lot of our joy is bound up in our circumstances. And, you know, that's, that's normal human function. Life is better when things are going like you would like for it to. But the hits just keep on coming. And stuff happens. And, uh, and you, have, you have to make a plan. See, uh, my wife and I have a, sort of a scary heritage. Her dad is 100 years old. Her mom this August will turn 99. They will have been married this December for 80 years. It's a marvelous thing of grace, uh, but I don't want to live that long. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, the, the, the sister, you know, the, the body is deteriorating enough at my age and uh, to... To add that many more years to my life from what I am now, mm -hmm. oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
So, so I guess you know that, that's that's really the process. It does you know you don't have to to uh, to take the whole time because the point's been made that we all are going to have opportunities to think that life's not very much fun or this just shouldn't be happening to me. Well, God's got a plan in it. See, the, the beauty of Jonah's book was that God got what he wanted done, done. He wanted the message to go to the Ninevites. Now, if you understand and do a little study on the Ninevites, they were some of the most brutal, awful, ungodly people in their heritage on the earth. So there's another point that God wanted to make there that you don't get beyond his redemption, no matter what your heritage is, no matter how improperly or sinfully or, or just how awful you can be. He can send somebody and save you. And even when the person who doesn't want to save you doesn't want to come, doesn't want you saved, wants you for torment, he still, uh, Jonah finally figured out, uh, I don't think I'm going to win this battle. And he went where God wanted him to go. So, see, that gives us great hope. That fuels our joy. And there's many, there'll be many questions as to why you must go through what God intends for you to go through. But he is in it. And you can have joy in it. See, he, he's, he's not kidding about his promises. But we have to worry. See, if I really believed, I believe it now more than I ever did, God will supply how many of your needs? According to what? See, we don't, I don't think we much act like that. Now, part of that's to say because we don't allow for the negative part of that supply. See, when Paul was admonishing God to remove his thorn, God said, I got a better plan. Your weakness exposes my strength. And that's what it's about. So Paul said, Good. Thank you. If it's about your strength being exposed in my weakness, let's do it. And, and so that, that becomes the process as, as we begin to experience the hits of earth experience. Okay, God, I'm looking for how you're going to use this. Now, I've made some poor choices in my history, and I suffered the consequences of those poor choices, and they were exactly that, poor choices. Now, God did work it out for good, but, and I learned something in the process. See, we, we don't get enough teaching on, on, on learning what to say no to. And, and learning how to fail. Those, those are good things because you're not going to do that again. That, that was a good lesson. So, so the process of life becomes don't contend with your maker. Isaiah says, woe to those who contend with your maker. So as we look, see, when uh, th this is scary. I tell people that, that I'm an analog person trapped in the digital age. I, I've got a phone that's smarter than I am. You know, and, and it's all over the house and making strange noises, and I have to chase it down. And by the time I get there, it's too late. But they'll call back. So, you know, I mean, that, that's part of it. And, and you've got to, I think you need to be cautious with your enamorment, if you have it, with the technology. Because I notice that, that there's a curiosity factor 
that one, one can lead to another, and then, oh, there's another one. Oh, that's, and, and, and then you, you look up and, and realize that tons of time is gone, and, and it's meaningless. See, we have much meaningless stuff going on in our world. And, and we need to figure out, does God want, how much, how much energy, how much passion, how much of my joy is going toward that rather than going toward my excitement with God? See, when, when we can get more excited about a football game than we can our relationship with God, then we're not doing it right. We need to understand more deeply in our spirit the treasure, the value, the magnificence of, and I, I like to use of all those adjectives and words to just to feed my own passion about this God who's in charge of everything, who owns everything, who's going to supply all of my needs, who, who can't keep from loving me, and I can't keep from loving. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, by the way, there's a football game. I don't care. I'm, I'm busy here. I'm, I'm loving the Lord. I mean, do you ever, I, I, that's the way I try to program myself. I'm getting better at it. I'm not as good as I want to be, not as good as I'm going to be. But the fact of it is that, that we've got a bad message about church a lot of times. I mean, this, this should be, probably is within the realities of our experience, the most exciting thing could be happening to us. We're, in, we're here in Jesus' name. And we're hearing about how he can supply our needs. And we're hearing about how he can direct our steps. He may heal us or he may kill us. It doesn't matter. We get to go to heaven. And, and we, have to, we have to think about that because when you understand that and the Spirit affirms your destiny, just like it said here, because of the Father. Let me read What does that say again? It says that he qualified thee. The heavenly Father, the only God, qualified me to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Not memorize that. I think I will. Uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance, inheritance of the saints. Wow. Wow. And so I guess my, my lesson tonight is our joy is always there in an abundant supply. We take all that we can stand from the Lord, and he still, it hasn't even infringed upon his, his sameness, his infiniteness. And, and he's qualified us that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to have distractions, and we're going to have those little, little counter. See, the, the, de the devil in his counterfeiting, you know who he sounds like when he talks to me? He sounds like me. It's like me telling me. How big a failure I am. How big a mess up I am. And so, and, and then, and then he, he almost convinces me that I'm confirming it and it's really true. And that's why we need the shield. And that's why we need the sword. So that we can, we can, we can fend off the fiery darts and we can, we can weld the truth of Scripture. I'm a qualified man by the Father. Didn't have anything to do with me. Wow. Really? Yeah, I don't have to do anything just amazing just amazing thank you Jesus Lord you know how long you want these thoughts to dwell with us uh, you know how you want to seal them to our hearts uh, Lord we need to be encouraging and praying for one another recognizing our qualification is by you given by you to the thrill of our hearts and is better 
than any earthly thing. So help us, Lord, to know how to stand against the world, the flesh, and the devil, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, those things that are going to come at us, and the hits will just keep on coming. But we'll get better with our shield, and we'll get more skilled with our swords, and we'll be able to stand firm knowing that your truth is our strong foundation. And we're going to give you thanks in Jesus' name. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, to those who hear my words as fact, and then upon them wisely act, or like a man in taking stock who built his house upon the rock, rains did flood, wind at its worst, against this house came in a burst. The house stood firm in demonstration of the rock of its foundation. To those who hear these words of mine, and to no action are inclined, can be compared unto a man who built his house upon the sand. Rains did flood, wind at its worst, against this house came in a burst. The house collapsed, it could not stand, for it was built upon the sand. When Jesus finished, all who heard were most amazed at his word. Everyone marveled did agree he speaks with power and strength thank you Yeah. 